1: 542 at WSBT, I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports Speak continues, brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's, the family inn. By Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, visit BethelUniversity.edu slash SolidGround for details. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. Well, yesterday was an historic day, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, the old European Tour, and the Public Investment Fund came together on an agreement to form one golf corporation. Live Golf still apparently exists, but now the Public Investment Fund, which funded that tour, is going to be investing in... In the PGA Tour. For PGA Tour players that stuck by the PGA Tour, they were loyal, but they lost a lot of money. For those that were offered money to be live golfers, they could have turned down millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases to stay with the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour wanted those players to stay and not take that dirty Saudi Arabian money. But guys like Brooks Koepka, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, Took the money, and at the end of the day, they keep that money, and eventually they may have to pay a fine. There may be a suspension, but they're going to be back on the PGA Tour. Well, guys like Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, who maybe were offered that big amount of cash, they turned it down, and they don't have that in their bank account, and they're going to be playing on the same tour as the players that did. Roy McIlroy during this civil war, the last two years has been the face of the PGA tour. He has been standing in front of microphones and cameras and answering all the questions for the PGA tour. So with the news that the public invest fund and the PGA tour are coming together, he had every right to be the angriest person on the face of the earth being betrayed by the PGA tour. But he met the media today before the RBC Canadian Open gets started tomorrow, where he is the defending champion, and he handled it with total class. And if he's angry, he sure didn't show it. Here was Rory's reaction to finding out the news yesterday that the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the Public Investment Fund were coming together.
3: And Yeah, it was a it was a surprise. Um, I knew there had been discussions going on um, in the background. I knew that... Uh, lines of communication had been opened up Uh, I obviously didn't expect it to happen as as quickly as it did Um, but I really think that you know from what I gathered, the tour felt they were in a real position of strength coming off the back of the DP world winning their legal case in in London um, it sort of weakened um, the other side's position and um, you know, they went in there and, you know, the way Jimmy described it, you know, Rory, sometimes you got too itty over water and you just got to go for it. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's what, that's what they did. And, um, you know, I think ultimately when I try to remove myself from the situation and I look at the bigger picture and I look at 10 years down the line, you know, I think ultimately this is going to be, um, it's going to be good for the, the the game of professional golf I think it secures the uh, it unifies it and it and it secures its its financial future so um, you know there's there's mixed emotions in there as well uh, as as there's going to be I don't understand all the intricacies of what's going on it's a very um, uh, what's the word uh, you know there's a lot of ambiguity there's a lot of things still to be um, sort of thrashed out but um, at least it means that the litigation goes away, which is a burden for everyone um, that's involved with the tour and that's playing the tour. Uh, and we can start to work toward, you know some sort of way of of unifying the game at the at the elite level.
1: Well, McElroy made it clear this morning that there is something that he wants all golf fans to understand about this situation?
3: I mean, I think the, the one thing that uh, I think was really misconstrued last yesterday was, you know, all the ha- headlines were PJ Tur merges with Liv, and Liv has got nothing to do with this, right? I mean, it's the PJ Tur, DP World Tour, and the Public Investment Fund are basically partnering to create a new company. Um, you know, this has gotten, you know, I think that's where I was a little frustrated because all I've wanted to do and all I've wanted you know in the past year from basically this tournament is to protect the future of the PGA Tour and, pres- and protect the aspirational nature of of what the PGA Tour stands for um, and I hope that this does that but you know I think with the headlines being merges with live like that's not the I mean if you look at the structure of how it's structured down this this new company sits above everything Jay's the CEO of that, so technically, anyone that is involved with Live now would answer to Jay. So, you know, the PJ Tour have, have control of everything, and the one thing as well is, you know, whether you like it or not, the PIF, we're gonna keep spending money in golf. At least the PJ Tour now controls how that money is spent. You know, so I'd, you know, if you're thinking about, some, you know, one of the biggest sovereign wealth funds in the world, would you rather have them as a partner or, the, or an enemy? Um, at the end of the day, money talks, and you'd rather have them as a partner.
1: That's Rory McElroy, the face of the PGA Tour the last couple of years during this fight with Liv Golf. And despite everything that has happened, and you heard him say there, the PGA Tour is teaming up with the Public Investment Fund not with Live Golf. Rory still has strong feelings about Live Golf.
3: But it's not Live. I think that's the thing. I still hate Live. Like, I hate Live. Like, I, I hope it goes away. And I would fully expect that it does. Um, and I think that's where the distinction here is. This is the PJ Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. Very different from Live. All I've got, tried to do is protect what the PJ Tour is and what the PGA Tour stands for. And I think it will continue to, to do that. Um, so, look, going forward, I hope that there's you know there may be a team element and you're going to see maybe me, maybe whoever else play in some sort of team golf. But I don't think it will look anything like Liv has looked. And I think that's a good thing.
1: And finally, McElroy today up at the RBC Canadian Open in Toronto was asked, for individuals like Spieth, and for example Thomas, who turned down money from Live Golf, and by the way, Rory claimed today he was never offered money from Live Golf, despite reports that he was offered five hundred million dollars. He says that was not the case. But for players that turned down the Live Golf money and stayed loyal to the PGA Tour, do those PGA Tour players deserve to be compensated for staying?
3: The simple answer is yes. The complex answer is how does that happen right and that's all that's all gray area and up 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 in the air at the minute but yeah there's you know it's hard to it's hard for me to not sit up here and feel somewhat like a sacrificial lamb and you know feeling like i've put myself out there and this is what happens again removing myself from the situation i see how this is better for the game of golf there's no denying that but for me as an individual yeah i There's just going to have to be conversations that are had.
1: That's Roy McIlroy today. Two things that stand out to me. Number one, I was never in favor of those PGA Tour players leaving the tour behind, even if they felt like things needed to change, and take that dirty Saudi money. Was totally against it. As we sit here today, those players made a choice to team up with the Saudis who put the money in the public investment fund. They made a choice. The difference is right now for me, the PGA Tour players do not ultimately have a choice where that money is coming from. Now, if they feel strongly that they don't want to be involved with Saudis who are going to be involved in the PGA Tour, funding it, then they can walk away. Otherwise, I think that is the big difference. Phil, Dustin, Brooks, Bubba, they made a choice. The current players did not make that choice. I'll say this as a golf fan, I'm excited. I'm excited the game of golf is coming back together and we get all the greats on one tour. I'm looking forward to having a revamped PGA Tour. Maybe there are Team aspects like we had in Live Golf added to the PGA Tour. It's going to be restructured, and hopefully for those individuals that left that were fighting the cause, I hope they get everything they want out of the new PGA Tour. Let's hope it is a plus. I think there's no doubt there needed to be some changes, but you can probably maybe go about trying to show your displeasure without disrupting the entire game, but the game is coming back together. Five fifty-three. Quick timeout. Sports Beat continues in a moment on WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT.
0: Highlight reel one by Williams down the sideline. Williams chased by Gamble. 10 what a run!
2: Touchdown! Spectacular run! Here's the fake. Meyer.
1: Your host, Darren Pritchett. It is eight minutes after six o'clock. We begin hour number two for Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Wednesday. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame Football Beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. And of course, college football nowadays, there is really no downtime. Transfer portal, NIL. A lot of things happening, although things have quieted down a little bit on the Notre Dame beat outside of recruiting, so we can just talk some basic Notre Dame football topics leading into the 2023 campaign. And, Tyler, let me start with this. I had a Twitter question recently, and I asked our listeners to chime in. 189.1 yards per game was the rushing total for the Fighting Irish last year, and I asked them, would the Irish average more or less and slightly winning that particular vote was less yardage at 50.7%. The next day I asked them, what's the number one reason why you believe they will rush for fewer yards? And winning that easily was having a better quarterback on this year's team, which of course is Sam Hartman. So there's kind of two parts to this question. Do you feel like the Irish will run for more or less yards this year? And if your answer is less, do you believe the big reason is Sam Hartman?
2: Well, I guess. You know, Usually I vote on these things when I see you tweet them out, Darren, but I did not this time. But you would have thought that I had because I kind of agree with the people. I'm going to go with less than 189.1 yards. And the primary reason is, is yes, probably Sam Hartman being at quarterback and Notre Dame is going to throw it around a little bit more. I think they're going to have – it's not just that they're going to throw it around a little bit more, it's that they're going to have more success rolling it around and when you have success doing something what do you ultimately end up doing more of that thing so I think the Notre Dame offense is going to be really balanced like this team is still going to run the ball and it's going to run the ball a lot but if you figure you know Audric Estime is going to average I don't know you'd love for him to average 100 yards per game and throughout the course of a 12-13 game season he ends up at 1200 1300 yards all of a sudden at that point you're talking about you know, one of the biggest, most prolific running back seasons that Notre Dame has ever had in its history. And you're still looking for 89 yards per game uh, from anybody not named Logan Diggs at this point. So I think that's going to be a little bit of an ask. And then going back to the uh, beginning of my answer, uh, absolutely, Sam Hartman. And if you think that Notre Dame, I mean, last year was a little bit of an anomaly because Drew Pine was the quarterback. The offense was a mess. You had Michael Mayer. You had those running backs, but you pretty much had nothing else. I mean, even the wide receivers didn't really show up. And that's going to have to happen for Hartman. Uh, there was a question on our message board today. Do you think Sam Hartman is going to go over under 275 pass yards per game? And I thought to myself, well, shoot, he averaged 308 at Wake Forest two seasons ago. He averaged 302 at Wake Forest last season. But I think it's going to be a little different here because Notre Dame likes to run the ball. Notre Dame can run the ball. And then you think of about Notre Dame's history. There, there's only two quarterbacks in the history of Notre Dame football that have averaged more than 275 passing yards per game, and that's mm-hmm. Brady Quinn and Jimmy Clausen. Those are the only two guys who've ever done it. Two seasons in the 100-plus year history of Notre Dame, it's only happened twice. That said, I think Sam Hartman is somewhere in the 260 yards per game uh, discussion. And then if you think Notre Dame has, let's say they have the 30th best offense in yards per game in college football next year last year that would have been around 440 yards per game and if you subtract 260 from that all of a sudden you're talking about a rushing offense that has 180 yards that's less than 189 so i think they get close to it in terms of the rushing total but i I do not think they get 190 more yards 190 yards per game or more
1: i agree with everything you said but let me play devil's advocate for a second you mentioned estimate maybe getting 1200 1300 yards I wonder if he can get that high if the Notre Dame football team goes back to that three-man rotation at the running back position that Dylan McCullough has even talked about this spring that he'd like to keep going. But at that time, Logan Diggs was still on the roster. Now that Diggs is at LSU, I wonder if that changes the thinking of that three-man running back rotation. And maybe you have two with a sprinkled-in third guy, which might open the door for Estime to get to those totals.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We, I was just at the Irish Invasion recruiting camp uh, on Sunday, and I forget who I was talking to, but we were talking about the running back outlook, and I said, look, is a clear number one. So that, that's already different than last year because last year you had two number ones. I mean, Estime and Diggs, you look at their numbers, Estime was a little bit more efficient, but Diggs had more carries. Diggs missed a significant part of the first – I mean, he missed an entire game against Cal, against Marshall and Ohio State. He only combined for 11 rushes. It's funny. In the last seven games, I wrote this at blueandgold.com this week. In the last seven games of the regular season, uh, and, and including the bowl game, so the last seven games total, Logan Diggs actually had more carries than Audric Estime. Logan Diggs was essentially the number one running back on this team, and that has a lot to do with Audric Estime fumbling there and part of those seven games, and he lost some time because of that. But you take Logan Diggs off the table, all of a sudden Audrick Estime is your clear number one. And I agree with you. You you find a two, but I, I think instead of 1A, 1B, like it was with Estime and Diggs, all of a sudden you have one with Estime, and then you have to find 2A and 2B, and those guys are going to split you know, however many carries it is. Whatever Notre Dame wants to do, distribution-wise, run, pass, you find 2A and 2B, those guys kind of split carries, but Estime is definitely going to be the number one. So I think he definitely has – it would shock me, put it this way, it would shock me if he – has less than 900 and I think it was 920 yards he had last year it would shock me if he has less than that uh it would also shock me if he goes over say 1300 because I do think Notre Dame wants to get other people involved so I think he'll live somewhere in that 1000 to 1200 yard range
1: I know we agreed last year we kind of like that two-man rotation rather than three And when you have a combination of Diggs and estimate, I mean, that is an awesome combination. And those two only had 60% of the carries last year. And I guess as a fan and watching these two great running backs, it's hard to imagine they only had 60%. Now, Tyree had 100 carries last year. He's not going to be a part of the equation. I'm not sure how much they're going to run Sam Hartman compared to where he was a couple of years ago. He was running a lot more than he did last year, so it just seems like 60% is too low when you have two talented guys like Diggs and us. I mean, I'm not diminishing the other running backs, but those two separated themselves from the competition.
2: Yeah, I don't want to diminish anyone else either, but I will say this. uh, There's probably a reason that Chris Tyree is looking like a full-time wide receiver right now. I think 100 carries, and it was cool that, I think was Notre Dame the only program in the FBS last year to have three guys to have 100 carries? I think that might have been the stat, maybe one or two programs. Um, I, I want to say they were the only one. That was cool. Uh, it made for some really cool graphics at on3 and blueandgold.com, some awesome storylines and whatnot. But I think too many carries went to Chris Tyree, and that goes back to the conversations we had last fall where it just it was very hard to justify taking the ball out of the hands of Estime and Diggs when, you know, like I said, when, did, when SMA stopped fumbling as much as he did, he was just a bruising back, and he was doing so many great things. That's, our digs got better. See, look, I, I can't even say these two guys' names without saying one, you know, one without the other. That's how good they were. They were interchangeable, and I just think too many carries went to Chris Tyree. Yeah.
1: To be fair, late in the year, those carries did get pulled back. A little bit from Tyree, but still 100. That's a big number. In the early 90s, when Notre Dame had like seven All-American running backs, maybe you have three guys (laughs) with 100. Okay, let's go to a different topic. Since we started by talking about the running game and how it may not look as good because you have Sam Hartman as your quarterback, for Irish fans, what do you think Sam Hartman's numbers could look like over this 12-game regular season?
2: Yeah, I alluded, alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, I think he's going to be somewhere in that like 260 to 270 yards per game range. And people are going to be saying, well, why isn't he throwing for as much as he did at Wake Forest? The, the, the situation is mm-hmm. completely different yep. than it was at Wake Forest. He was chasing games at Wake Forest, so he had to throw the ball 40 times a game. I wouldn't be surprised if he only throws the ball 40 times a game, maybe once or twice this year. I mean, Jack, you saw it with Jack Cohen two seasons ago where you would love for Jack Cohen to live somewhere in that 20 to 25 pass attempts per game range, but all of a sudden he's throwing for 68 or whatever it was in the Fiesta Bowl. That's because Notre Dame didn't have a running game. They didn't have their guy Kyron Williams in that game. So if Notre Dame does what it wants to do, which is run the ball to set up Sam Hartman's pass, to set up his deep pass, you know, the, the arm that everyone talks about, the touch on the the deep ball that everyone talks about. I think at that point, you're probably going to only see him, uh, and and you probably let Sam Hartman throw it a little bit more than Jack Cohn, but as soon as you start getting up to like 35 pass attempts, you're you're thinking, uh, why is this happening? Uh, Why aren't we controlling this game? What's going on here? So I do think the number comes down, the passing yards total, but here's another thing. I think the interception total comes down. I think he becomes a more efficient quarterback. Maybe you're seeing a Sam Hartman who – only throws seven or eight interceptions this season when the last couple of years, I think he's thrown, was it 25, 25 or 26 in the last two seasons. I mean, that's too many. I mean, you're, you're averaging over one per game at that point. I think he averages less than one interception per game. And I also think he's first with 40 touchdown passes this year. Uh, that might be the hottest take that I've had in talking about Sam Hartman in this conversation, but I think it's set up for him to, to do really well. I, when I was watching him in January and February for that series I did at blueandgold.com, watching literally his every throw from last season, really, really good red zone player. I mean, he can pick you apart. He throws the ball to the right areas in the red zone. So you might see less bruising one-yard touchdown runs out of Aldrick Estimate, but you might see more, you know, two-yard fades from the, from the goal line or even mm-hmm. slants over the middle Consider that. How about that concept? Flants over the middle, in the end zone. I think you see some of that. So, I think he throws 40 touchdown passes, throws for about 260 yards a game, and perhaps the biggest thing out of all of that is the interception total coming down.
1: And for context, context, context for our listeners: Pine averaged 183 yards passing per game. Buckner was at 217, and and by the way, Davis Sherwood was 1.5 yards. He had one completion for 20 yards, but 11 interceptions combined between Pine and Buckner last year. We're talking Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold's Tyler Horka on WSBT Radio. I think sometimes we all get hung up, and maybe rightfully so. Does my favorite football team have a number one wide receiver? Does my quarterback have a go-to wide receiver when it's third down and eight? Is there a guy that my team's quarterback can rely on. Hey, last year, Michael Mayer was number one, number two, and number three favorite target of Drew Pine. Do you think Sam Hartman is going to have a go-to target? Does he need a go-to target?
2: I kind of am of the thinking that, yeah, a a quarterback should have that number one guy. It, It doesn't matter what level you're playing at. Every team, it's not even really a quarterback thing. It's a team thing. You need to have... A number one wide receiver the scary thing for Notre Dame this year is they don't have one on paper there, there is not a guy that you look at and say yep he's the guy I think you get a little bit more comfortable when you think that Sam Hartman created a number one guy out of A.T. Perry when probably nobody thought that he was going to have the career that he did now he's he's off to the NFL and, and might even carve out a career for himself there uh, and Sam Hartman made guys like Donovan Green at Wake Forest really good. Jamal Banks, I think both of those guys are returning for them. I would not be shocked if their numbers come significantly down because Sam Hartman isn't there. So you think that a lot of people's numbers at Notre Dame are going to go up from what they were. If I had to single out one guy, I think it's Jaden Thomas because he, you know, this is a guy that... Chancey Stuckey rants and raves about the short area quickness. He can win those slants. He can get open when you need three. He can get open when you need seven. We even saw it last year at points in time where he's beating people 30 yards down the field. So he's an all-levels-of-the-field type of guy when he's at his best, and now he has a quarterback that can throw him open in those situations. Uh, he's a junior, and obviously everyone talked about the junior class of him, Deion Colsey, Lorenzo Styles. Lorenzo Styles is gone. Deion Colsey kind of became a revelation last year, but I, I still do have some questions about his athleticism, his durability, what he looks like over the course of a 12-game season. Jaden Thomas is a guy that played pretty much every single down almost of, of all 13 games last year. It was him, Brayden Lindsey, and Lorenzo Styles. Two of those guys are gone now, and you're left with Jaden Thomas. I think Sam Hartman makes him better. I think he's improving just on his own. And this might finally be the coming out party for one of those junior wide receivers who uh, we kind of fell in love with in 2021, but haven't really done a whole lot in two years. I think he gets it done this year.
1: We're getting short on time, so let me sneak in one more question. Let's go to special teams for a moment, Tyler. Tyler. Last year special teams Prince Kali was out there the most. Isaiah Foskey had an impact with several block kicks. They were the special team stars last year among the stars. Who could be the leading special team star candidates in 2023?
2: Yeah, Prince Kali was awesome on special teams. I think he was the number 1 special teams player on the team per Pro Football Focus. Uh, everyone remembers the touchdowns, everyone remembers Foskey's blocked kicks. I mean, those two guys were awesome. So you're losing your best to special teams players. I look at a guy like junior Tui Halamaka because he's number two on the depth chart right now at Viper, but I'm really starting to buy into the Jordan Patello hype. And I know that I should be cautious there because he's a senior and, you know, usually you're kind of pronounced at this point in your career. If you're a defensive end, you kind of know what you have there and there's still a little bit of a mystery to him, but you know, just looking at him, I, I think if you give him all the reps, he's a guy that could have 10 sacks at the end of the year, and you say, okay, he did his job. So if that's the case, Junior Tui Halamaka is not going to play as much defensively because they've been grooming him to be that Viper, and all of a sudden you got Patello who can play all three downs at Viper. You still want a guy like Tui Halamaka to make a difference, and he's a guy that has linebacker background, so he's got that athleticism. He's put on a few more pounds. He can make the big hits in the open field. That's what you're looking for. In the special teams, he can come off the edge, try to block some kicks like Bosque did last year. So he's a guy that's right there at the door. He wants to bang it down. If it's not going to be on defense this year, then I kind of have a feeling it's going to be on special teams.
1: All right, let's talk about Blue and Gold Illustrated. First off, you guys have a new writer, and it looks like you've got a new special for new subscribers.
2: Yeah, Jack Sobel is our new writer. He's the new Patrick Engel. I wish Patrick all the best. He was an awesome co-worker for the last couple of years. He's uh, moving into something a little different, but but Jack's ready to hit the ground running, already has. He's men's basketball for us, so look for his stories up on men's basketball. Obviously, he's helping out with football as well. He's got some stories on football already on the site, so go to com. You'll see him there. If you subscribe, you can interact with him on the message board, which is Absolutely one of the coolest things you can do if you're a Blue and Gold subscriber. And then right now, um, I should know this off the top of my head, but I think it's only $1 for three months. Yes. So we have that deal running again. Uh, I mean, that's awesome. That, that'll lead you right into football season if you do the $1 for three months. Um, you're going to want to buy a, a year's subscription once football season starts. I can guarantee you that because nobody covers Notre Dame football like we do. And then we're actually in the next week, we're putting the preview magazine uh to bed and that thing's going to go to print and you'll see it on shelves if you're in south bend but the best way to get that thing is to go to our website and you can go to any of the articles that we posted at blueandgold.com at the very bottom you'll find, you'll find a pre-order link that thing will be delivered straight to your mailbox and i mean that's 160 pages of nothing but notre dame football that'll lead you right up into august 26th for that season opener which is quickly approaching i think it's only 80 days away so you've got 80 days to read 160 pages that's two pages a day if you've got that thing today you're not going to get it till july trust me that'll take you all the way up to august 26 you don't want to miss it
1: he is tyler horka the notre dame football beat reporter blue and gold illustrated BlueandGold.com. thank you so much for the visit we'll talk to you next week all right thanks there thank you so much that's tyler horka check him out at blue and gold.com we'll take a quick time out when we come back We'll be joined by Paul Zrom from the Salvation Army Croc Center of South Bend, an update on the Hole-in-One contest and how you can take part. 627 at WSBT. All right, it's 631 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Let's head out to Morris Park Country Club in South Bend. We're joined by Paul Zram, the Director of Development at the Salvation Army Croc Center of South Bend. The Salvation Army Million Dollar Hole in One Contest is well underway, but you still have plenty of opportunities to take part. And Paul joins us to offer us an update on how things are going right now. Well, first off, Paul, you've picked. A terrific location to call in from, Morris Park Country Club, where I'm assuming things are winding down for at least today's qualifications.
4: Yes, uh, we got about uh, 25 minutes left to go over at Elbel uh, yet today, but uh, we just finished up at Morris Park uh, just now a half hour ago. Uh, but tomorrow, we've got uh, a full slate. We've got two uh, places that you can go out to Erskine or at Everhart in Mishawaka uh, from 3 until 7 o'clock. And... As history has told us, whenever we've introduced a new golf course, uh, fewer people go out to that course. So Eberhardt's a new golf course, so maybe there might be a few more opportunities for people to come out there. You never know. Erskine's always a busy place for us and always does well because they have a great facility there to do this at. And then to finish up on Friday, we're at Judea Creek from 3 to 7, and that's the final day to qualify.
1: All right, so, Paul, for individuals that want to come out to this event, uh, what do they need to know? Where do they go? Like when they arrive at the golf course, do they need to have identification? Just kind of take us through the process of getting signed up.
4: Sure, just uh, just find out where we're at. Like at Erskine, we're at their little practice hole, which is off of the uh, third tee there, right there, and you'll see the tents. just come and walk up, and all you need to do is tell us how many balls you want to purchase and we'll take care of you from there. Um, out at uh, Everhart will be on their practice hole, which is between the 1st and the 10th holes there. Uh, so they have a, a, a green set up there and a, and a nice hitting area. So that'll be all set up. We'll have a big tent out there as well, so look for the tent. If not, the clubhouse, go there. They'll be able to tell you where to go. And then at Judy Creek, we'll be right in their driving range, right off to the left side of their parking lot there, and you'll be able to see us there, and uh, we'll finish up there.
1: Paul, I think we have some helpers for the people that have – tuned into sports beat tonight, because from what I understand, if folks bring out a couple of canned food items, that could help them with a couple of more shots. Exactly. If you bring two canned goods, uh, we'll give you five free shots. Um, there is a limit of five
4: free shots per person. So, yeah. You know, uh, but uh, yeah, bring as many canned goods as you can to help us uh, supply our food pantry with that and we'll give you some extra shots for it.
1: All right, outstanding. And I know you told us late last week that there was an opportunity that you can buy your way into the finals for that shot for $1 million. I know there was only limited supply. Are there still opportunities to buy into the final, and how do you do so?
4: Yes, uh, I like to think of it as donating your way into it, Darren. But uh, (laughs) it's the same
1: premise, yes. Good point. Uh,
4: If you you make a $500 donation – we will give you uh, one spot in the, in the finals. Just buy your way into the finals with that $500 donation. So you'll be one of uh, up to 15 people total hitting for the million dollars. So $500 simple donation, and you're in the finals.
1: I'm not an actor in Hollywood. I'm just reading the script, Paul. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> I'm following the script, that's for sure. Hey, this million-dollar contest is a lot of fun for golfers in our area to take part, but it also is very important to the Croc Center.
4: Yes, it is. It it really does a lot for our uh, our fundraising and how we go out and help uh, the community. Uh, We have a lot of programs that this helps fund, like our backpack program where we feed kids um, weekend meals during the school year, uh, who otherwise would go home to empty cupboards, so we're making sure they get meals during the weekend. Uh, Help supply food for our food pantry. uh, We're up. uh, A lot of people coming about 50% more people are coming into our food pantry. So we need to continue to uh, stock that and keep people supplied with food. Uh, Christmas is our busiest time. We have our Angel Tree program where we give uh, kids. Last year was just over 1,300 kids. We supplied toys, clothing, and food for the holiday for them. And then, you know, it gives people an opportunity to get scholarships to the Kroc Center to where they can get introduced to a lot of our free programming, whether it's for music or for dance or theater or sports. We've got a lot of programs that are free for kids, but we've got to give them the access. So the scholarships give them the access to Uh, to the Croc Center. So there's a lot of good things going on there that we
1: need to help fund. We provided a lot of information over the last five minutes. Is there a website Mm -hmm. golfers can go to?
4: You bet. Uh, The easiest way to look for all this information is go to mycroc.org and look for the hole-in-one symbol, and that'll tell you everything about it.
1: All right, and once again, why don't you just remind people right now where people can go tomorrow to take part in the Million Dollar Contest.
4: Yes, tomorrow, Erskine and Eberhardt from 3 until 7. And then Friday, the last day to qualify at Jude Creek from 3 until 7.
1: Very good, Paul. Best of luck as we continue on in the contest. And we should remind folks the top 10 participants hitting closest to the pin at each golf course moves to the semifinals, which will be Saturday, June 10th at Jude Creek. And we hope our listeners. They are one of those semifinalists. Paul, thanks for checking in. Continued success. We'll talk to you soon. I appreciate all the help there. Thank you. You bet. Anytime. That is Paul Zrom, the Director of Development at the Salvation Army Croc Center of South Bend. The Salvation Army Million Dollar Hole in One Contest continues. For more information, visit their website, mycroc.org. And reminder, croc is spelled K R. OC. 637 at WSBT.
0: Bye.